Hello and welcome back to another edition Warriors All 82 podcast for me, crossover Fred Katz. Name the podcast Wizards Beat Writer. Yeah, with Wizards After Dark. We got two of them. That is a uh, kind of a darker, spookier. It's risque. It is. There you go. Risque. Um, trade deadline edition, kind of. I mean, we can talk a little bit about the game. Warriors won. They've won two in a row. They were the 30. I still believe they're the 30th ranked offense, but um, they faced the 29th ranked defense in the Cavaliers, the 30th ranked defense in the Wizards, and finally busted loose. Uh, and I mean, you've watched Washington defense all year, but. I mean, it's a, it takes a special kind of team to, to give up that point total to the Warriors today. Yes, it does. We got to watch a special type of team. This defense is is wild. They've, they and the Hawks have participated in every 150-point game so far this year. They have the second-worst defensive efficiency in the basically in the advanced stat era where they're giving up about 116 points per 100. I don't know what it is after tonight, but it's crazy. Like, the communication is so bad it's like no matter who they throw in there it's just off like scott brooks said before the game if you take away if you take away the milwaukee game and the atlanta game from last week where they gave up 152 and 151 if you take away those games we're actually in our last however many games 16th in defensive efficiency so there's been improvement i'm like well of course if you take away your two god-awful games you're gonna be better like uh, no no kidding and then they gave up 125 to the 30th ranked offense in the league. So, yeah, um, and it, it, it's it's a good day for the Warriors. They've had a kind of good start to the month. You know, Kevon Looney came back, and to me, for a second straight game, he looked a little bit more Kevon Looney like. He had an isolation against Bradley Beal to end the third quarter, which kind of mirrored the ones he used to have against like Harden in the West Finals, and where he kind of made his reputation as a, as a even though he's looked slow and kind of gangly um he's become when he's at his best at his healthiest uh a big capable of switching on the guards uh and sticking with him and like to me so that's a good start to the month you get him back you get the Steph official timeline you get two wins so there is kind of a good vibe around the team but trust me I've been around this team uh most of the day at shoot around today in Georgetown with Patrick Ewing in the building, uh, and even post game, there's a lot of talk about the trade deadline coming up uh, for a team that the past five years zero in season trades. Bob Myers hadn't made one in the Steve Kerr era before they traded Willie Cauley Stein a couple of weeks ago. That was the first one uh, in Steve Kerr's six seasons. Alec Burks, who had 30 tonight, very much available and on the block. Philadelphia 76ers, probably for a second-round pick. Glenn Robinson, who had 22, 7, and 6, he's available. And then the big one's D'Angelo Russell, which we can talk about. But uh, in general, it's just interesting to be around a deadline team that has, like, angsty-type players because the Warriors just haven't been. Uh, you know, recently, and I assume you're dealing with the same thing. Because Wizards in should also kind of be sellers, even if it's small parts. Um, do you feel that? I mean, are you feeling that around the Wizards? To me, that was the the Warriors won tonight, but the talk post game, if you really were kind of talking to people off to the side, was trade deadline. Yeah, to to a degree, I I think with the I think the Warriors are more likely to make a deal than the Wizards are, just because the Wizards think that they're going to be able to compete next year. Uh, and obviously the Warriors do too, but they're going to be able to compete for different reasons because they got Steph coming back, they got Clay coming back, and like these guys who are with them now are not necessarily the ones. 
The Wizards believe that Davis Bertans, who would be a great yeah. trade chip if they wanted him to be a great trade chip, the Wizards believe that Davis Bertans is going to be someone who's going to help them next year. And so if they have standards for what they want in return for him that the market is just not going to match and i'm going to have a, a trade deadline story up on on tuesday morning just kind of a a primer for the next 48 hours and what to look out for with the wizards if if they've got super high standards for davis bertans if they want a ridiculously high first round pick or or an unbelievably good young player and that's the only thing that's going to make them get off of davis bertans then chances are davis bertans is staying with the wizards uh you know you, th- you think at the end of the roster but that's kind of it do you think what what's Berton's uh he's got another year after this? No, he's free agent, seven million. And he's gonna get paid. Do you what would you do if you're them? I would trade Berton's. I mean, it's hard to say like I would trade this guy without knowing what you get back, but based on what the market could dictate, I think you can get a first round pick for him and you can maybe get something else on top of that. Uh it's complicated because I think he's a really good player and I think he's a winning player and a guy who can really help a young team, a winning team and kind of be a missing piece because he's such an unbelievable shooter and he's very plug and play. But at the same time, like he plays the same position as Rui Hachimura, who's a guy they want to move forward with. And if he and Rui are your two forwards, along with either Thomas Bryan or Mo Wagner and Bradley Beal is your two, you're committing to this defense. Like, those, those guys are going to have to close. If you play Berton's $14, 15000000 million a year, he's going to have to close with Rui. And now all of a sudden, like, if those guys are your forwards alongside Beal, alongside Wall, which we don't know his physical abilities next year, and, and you know, Thomas Bryan or, or Mo Wagner, like that, they're still not going to be able to stop people if that's your closing lineup. And that, that's going to be a big problem. So I just don't know if the pieces fit in that sense. That said, he's a great sign-and-trade candidate because all the teams this summer that have cap space are losing teams, and he's a guy who winning teams are going to value more than losing teams. So maybe maybe you sign might be able tra- to work out a great sign-and-trade for him too. Sign-and-trade him back to the Spurs. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> He'd be a perfect fit for the Spurs. Yeah. Bertans is kind of one of those dominoes that are ahead of Burks right now where Burks – He's very gettable. He's on the minimum, so any team can just take him. The Warriors, you know, the Warriors want an asset. They want probably, you know, a, a good second rounder from him. That's what they're really going for. Um, but a lot of these teams, they're kind of in like wait and see. Like, does Bertans, you know, does Washington decide to pull the trigger on him? Derrick Rose is another name out there. Covington, like guys who are, uh, you know, they're they're a higher level than Burks, but Burks is kind of the fallback option. And usually, the fallback options are the later options when teams realize either somebody else gets the guy that they wanted, or they just like, ah, we can't pay that price. We'll get Burks. So. Um, again, like I, I expect, I kind of expect. How much action do you think? Um, this deadline because it's been pretty quiet. Yeah, I I get the feeling it's going to be quiet, but like you know how this thing goes. Quiet could still mean eight small deals though, as long as there's not a big one, and we can get to a potential big one because the Warriors are in the center of a potential big one. Yeah. So so D'Angelo Russell, what's the rush? That's what I don't get. Like what is what is he's on a four year max deal. So like what's what's the rush? You don't have to trade him right now. I get the sense that they are 
trying to pressure the Wolves a little bit. Because, I mean, at the center of all this is Minnesota's obsessed with them. Uh, for a very obvious reason, uh, Carl Anthony Towns is really good friends with D'Angelo Russell. They have similar personalities. Uh, they hang out a lot. Carl Anthony Towns was part of the very strong pitch to D'Angelo Russell this summer. Took him up in a helicopter uh, with all of the Minnesota front office. It was like, wow, Minnesota's in on a, you know, at least somewhat big name free agent. Uh, as they're in the helicopter, ding, ding, ding. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's agreed to a max deal with the Warriors. Very awkward ending to, to the helicopter ride. Um, but Minnesota has not given up its pursuit. From day one, it was pretty clear that the Warriors signed him as an asset. And D'Angelo, in turn, who very much knows the business and uh, is interested in the business side of things, almost used, used the Warriors as an asset in a sense. Like, they're going to give me the max. They're going to have smart people like Steph Curry teach me things. Um, and if I'm there long-term, awesome. If they trade me, well, that doesn't change my contract status. I'm still getting the max. Um, so I don't think there's necessarily a – there shouldn't be. Like what you said is correct. There shouldn't be a rush. But I do think by, like the Knicks stuff is floated out there today that you know they're kind of readying their package. Um, it's being floated out that the Warriors are listening to other offers. I think that's – to try to get – you know, if Minnesota wants to make the deal, Minnesota right now is thinking, well, where else are they going to trade them? Um, now I think some of what you were hearing is noise to go, hey, look, Minnesota, there's other stuff that could happen to see if Minnesota will just throw the boat, you know, like unprotected first rounder this year, unprotected first rounder next year, uh, Covington, Okoji, you know, just basically all their best assets because – they were basically offering Andrew Wiggins, which is like the same contract, flip Wiggins because you need a wing, we'll take Russell. And the Warriors are saying no to that, obviously. Um, So I don't know how much of this is posturing or, you know, you kind of get the feeling around the team. Like there's definitely people thinking like, well, this might go down. When they're – I would say uh, as recently as a week ago was a sense of like, yeah, the Russell stuff needs to get solved this summer. But it's going to get solved this summer. Suddenly it's like, oh, it might get solved in the next 72 hours. And it is a massive monumental move for the Warriors, right? I mean, I'm not saying Russell is some unbelievable great player, but it's such a directional shift. It's like the one big asset move they have to make. Are they going to make it now? Yeah, I, the Knicks thing is wild to me. Because the Knicks could have just signed them, right? Like, No, no. Uh, that was kind of floated out there today. I think Bill Simmons was really pushing that out. Was that Simmons? They, I mean, technically, yes, but D'Angelo would have had to say, yeah, I'll sign well, yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah, but like... I don't think he would have signed with the Knicks. You think there's no way he would have gone? Because didn't he just want the max deal? He did, but the Warriors offered him the max, and it was like, ooh, that's sexy. Warriors, Brand, Steph Curry, Steve Kerr. Like he, He's talked about, like, it's going to be cool to go learn. From but what him. if that was, that was... What was the date when he signed with the Warriors? Because it was like a few days... In right? No, no, no. It was it was it was night of. So um, KD announces like I remember they they pushed up the right. deadline and then they turned it into the sign and trade. You're right. Yeah, it, it right. was night of because the wolves were like hour one. We're getting ready. Our helicopter ride, pitch, whatever. Right. And that night it was a. Remember how wild that first night was because they pushed it up. So it's usually midnight. Suddenly it's like you know mm-hmm. three p.m. or whatever it was. Uh, and, and we knew KD was going to the Nets before. It even hit. So that already essentially made D'Angelo go from restricted, which he technically was restricted. But to get Kyrie and KD, they were going to have to renounce his right. So he suddenly became an unrestricted. But the fact that KD chose the Nets opened up a sign-and-trade possibility right. that the Warriors wouldn't have had. Once KD tells Bob Myers that day, that morning, Nets, he immediately 
lets you know D'Angelo's people know Warriors Max on the table, and D'Angelo quickly took it. You're right. I retract. I retract my statement. You know what's crazy? So much stuff went down so in the first leg. That felt like day three, even though it was yeah, like hour four. <laughs> exactly. Like even five hours before free agency started, when like the Garrett Temple contract got reported yeah. hours before free agency started. So much stuff went down that it, I guess I just remembered it as happening. As him lingering in free agency of, oh, no, where's D'Angelo Russell going to go? And I guess it was it was just so quick. And it was uh, a stunner out of left field because it was like – Yeah, nobody had that. That wasn't rumored. People, people had – I mean, Minnesota was rumored as, as a potential spot. And the Lakers. Rumors, yeah. Was it, that, which right. is, like, very strange if you know his path of, like, those first two years and how bad it was for him in L.A. But it's a very different regime there. But, yeah. Yeah. I – what's that next deal going to look like? Because here's the thing. I, I've, I've spoken to people in the league about Kevin Knox, and, like, all you have to do is watch the Knicks. And Kevin Knox does not look great. And you talk to people in the league, it's like people are noticing that Kevin Knox does not look great. People in the league are not so high on the Knicks' assets right now. They're just, like, they're young guys. They're the, the Kevin Knoxes, the, the Frank Nilakinas. Like, well, they're so- not so high on those guys. Ian Bagley, who's pretty tied in with the Knicks, yeah, he's re- great. yeah he reported uh, part of it was Neil Aquina and Bobby Portis, which to me that's more like the salary filler needed. T- to me, if you're the Warriors and you want a player, Mitchell Robinson is the guy to get. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, uh, they kind of have an unknown at the center spot moving forward. We'll see with Looney. I mean, that's the guy they wanted to start, but he's just his health is a situation so uh, in flux right now mm-hmm. that, you know, they need a wing or a center. Like, they're set at the guard. That's the reason why Russell is available, right? Because they have two all-star franchise pillars that are going to start at the one and two, although Clay may be the three if Russell's still around next year. But, you know, a wing or a center. So Robinson's a name. And then also I just, you know. Robinson Robinson would be such a good guy with I, – I like Mitch Robinson a lot. He would be so good with with Curry. Just as like a role guy who can throw down lobs, like he's always been so good with those those kinds of centers. Like he and Javale had had that he nice revived Javale's career. Yeah, for sure. And imagine Mitchell Robinson with like you know the king of true shooting percentage, being able to set screens and just dive and he's and got rim like protect. A, for sure. I mean, he's he's an incredible shot blocker and a legitimately good rim protector. He's got what a seven nine wingspan or whatever, and like he can throw down lobs from anywhere. He's a great athlete. I could. That I could see that working really well. That yeah. wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and new and you know the Knicks, any Knicks first rounder for the next five years is like a really you know valuable pick because you know pretty much the Knicks are always a top five pick essentially lately. They have both of Dallas's. Well, I think they have two Dallas first rounders. I don't remember what years. I think maybe twenty twenty one, twenty twenty three, um, and that's part of what the Warriors are trying to do. For, I know with Minnesota, it's about trying to get unprotected first because even if. Uh, they just they not only want to maybe you know use that pick in the future if they trade D'Angelo they want to get an asset base that suddenly you know let's say a uh, Bradley Beal will say becomes available in the summer or you know whoever if if it just crash and burns in Philly and Ben Simmons is available like they they don't really have a great asset base right now they've traded a couple future first rounders they traded six of their next seven second round picks like they just want. Uh, an asset base if they're gonna go there, and you know, again, Knicks first round picks are as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, look, I cover a team that just spent an entire summer this past summer in 2019, 
and we'll probably try to do a similar thing in 2020, just trying to recover all these assets they just gave away. I mean, they under Ernie Grunfeld, they traded all of their second-round picks for years and years and years and, uh, you know, traded away a lot of young guys for rentals. They traded Kelly Oubre for a rental of Trevor Ariza and turned down the opportunity to get second-round picks and, and those sorts of things. And they, they spent last summer like, okay, Thomas Adaransky's going to go. Let's at least see if we can turn this into a sign-in trade and get back a second-round pick. Let's, let's, let's purchase a second-round pick so – we can bring in Admiral Schofield or or see if we can you know recover one in in the Lakers are trying to get off salary so they can make the Anthony Davis trade work okay we'll we'll take your 22 year old uh, Mo Wagner and and 20 year old Isak Bonga and a second rounder for it and just kind of those those smaller deals where you're just trying to kind of maneuver your way into trade exceptions and and kind of asset recuperation and and be able to essentially restock the cupboard um and yeah, I mean, look, most teams that have that have had more previous success than the Wizards have. The Warriors have five straight uh, trips to the finals to show for giving up all those picks, and that's okay. Not a sixth on the way, though. Not, um, not a sixth on the way. Although, if they play the Wizards every night, they might just have it. Wizards, Cavs, just repeatedly. Yeah, um, yeah no, I mean, like... They, it's this. It's about asset collection right now for the Warriors. It's why Burks is available. It's why they got something for Colleague's time. It's why they currently only have 13 guys on the roster, and they're not adding Marquise Chris, who's starting at center on a two-way deal. Um, I believe will eventually get the 14th spot on the roster, but they're keeping that stuff open right now because roster maneuvering happens in the next three days. If suddenly they need to be like a ship for a deal, you know, if you need, you know, one of these teams might need to offload. Uh, a guy because they're adding two in a trade um, and only giving away one. Um, you know, so they, they're sitting here. They're in such a good spot right now as far as declared sellers because the league, there's like the AC right now is so low in both conferences. Like, you know, a team like the Pelicans, they should be, you know, Derek Favors, JJ Redick, Drew Holiday. I mean, you know, we talked about Bertans earlier, but uh, a lot of, you know, but the Pelicans suddenly are trying to make the playoffs because this Zion thing. So um, the Warriors are trying to take advantage, I think, of all these situations we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, look, that's part of why if the Wizards wanted to trade Bertans, there's a market. Like, I, I know there are a bunch of good teams that have called and been like, so what's this going to take? And it hasn't gone to really the place that those teams have hoped that it could go because the Wizards don't want to do it. But if they were open, they could they could get some stuff for him. It's not like they would be settling and trading him for, you know, absolutely nothing. Like, that that wouldn't be the case. There's, there's a market for good players. The thing is, like, in either conference – because in like the East, seven and eight are so bad. So bad. Where the Nets like twenty and twenty six or something? Yeah, some, some twenty and twenty seven, whatever they are. And and Orlando is is basically the same. And in the West, like yeah, Memphis is five hundred now. But but isn't it plausible that Memphis ends up with thirty eight wins? Like isn't that a plausible thing that we end up with a thirty eight win? Uh, eight seed in the West, and because of that, like you got Portland gunning for it, and you've got Phoenix, which hasn't made the playoffs in forever, going for it. Pelicans are like nineteen and twenty nine, but because the Zion thing's been fun, they're like, sure, let's try to make a run. Right, like you have a lot of buyers, but the problem is you don't really have the teams that would normally be sellers based on their record aren't really sellers. Like the Wizards don't want to be full on sellers because they think when John Wall comes back they're gonna be okay. And the Warriors think that when Curry and Clay come back they're 
they're going to be okay. And, and, and they're the other teams that we talked about. It's just like there aren't that many sellers. That's why I say you ask, I think there's going to be a lot at the trade deadline. I think it's going to be a little quiet just because, like, when you have a lot of – when you have 15 buyers and you have 15 sellers, you're probably more often than not setting yourself up for an active trade deadline because teams are going to match. They're going to slide right into each other's needs. And in this case, you've got just like, I don't know, 26 buyers and four sellers, and it just doesn't really work. Yeah, probably half of them are just fine being stagnant, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's like probably, you know, 12 buyers and like right. four sellers. Right. Phoenix hasn't made the playoffs since 1946. And so, like, they're just, they just really want to get in. And so they're just, they're not really, yeah, they're not like buying or selling. So yeah. it's like you almost take them off the board. You start to like list a lot of these teams, like Wizards, yes, um, you know, they're, there are sense they could sell, I guess, small parts, but they might not. They're definitely not going to be buying. Although I heard something about like Tristan Thompson was like, yeah, Winhorse said that yeah, today. Winhorse said that today. I, I mean, I could see a scenario where, like, I guess they'd be buyers in this case, air quotes. But it's a where, buyer for the future, right? It's a buyer for the future, so it wouldn't be like. They could use that Yam Mahimi contract to acquire future money because Mahimi's a $16 million expiring, yeah. and that's a plausible thing. So you could bring in a guy who's you know got money beyond this year on a big deal and okay. help Kevin them clear cap space. Yeah, well, you could help them clear cap space. I don't like the love fit. Kevin, Kevin Love feels like a Wizards move, though, to me. From, as a complete outsider, like, doesn't it feel like, uh, yeah, they're going to pair it's an old Wizards move. I think it's like a former Wizards. I don't think it's. I don't think it's these Wizards move. Yeah, but you I know better than me. I just from an outsider, like yeah, the Wizards would go get him. I think yeah. the old Wizards would have gone and gotten Kevin Love and given up a pick and first rounder. Yeah. yeah, they would have given up a first, and they would have included like Mahimi's money and like traded Bertans and gone and got Kevin Love, and they would have started like a Kevin Love Rui Hachimura front court. And like really pumped it out to the the uh, kind of uh, lukewarm fan base. Like we got. NBA All-Star Kevin Love. <laughs> yep. Three All-Stars on one roster. John Wall coming back. I don't think I don't think I don't think they'll go get Love though. I mean, I would be surprised if that happened. I just don't I don't see it. I don't see it fitting and I don't see it within this organization. But like Winhorse is a good reporter and obviously he's locked in with the Cavs. He well, that's interesting. I mean, the Thompson ones like he's to me a better fit. Like, you know, his money's easier to consume and um, he's not as limited defensively. No, he's pretty good defensively, and he's a, he he helps them with one of their biggest issues, which is rebounding. He's a great offensive rebounder, and um, it you know it would make sense to a degree. But that's part of the like they think that they can be better next year, and Tristan Thompson is a guy who can last actually help. I guess yeah. And last subject I kind of wanted to get to. Yeah, I mean, if you have something else, go ahead. But. I think part of that is like the the wanting to appease Bradley Beal, the wanting to convince Bradley Beal like this is not a massive long term rebuild because he's like clearly directly in his prime right now. Um, and do you? I mean, like from a Warriors perspective, as we talked about them earlier, maybe the wisest thing is to sit back and wait on D'Angelo. Some of that is they want to figure out what their first rounder is going to be. You know, right now they have the worst record in the league, so it's probably going to be top five. And potentially pair that with a D'Angelo this summer if one of these stars across the league busts free. Um, I know I talked to you a little bit pregame. You don't think that's going to happen with Beal, but you know if maybe it doesn't look like their roster is getting built correctly. If it looks like they're going to kind of be you know lottery again next season, uh, do you see him kind of you know putting his thumb on the front office a little bit? Uh, 
not as soon as this summer. He he had he had two years left last summer. Signed the really what was just a one year extension by the end the of Russell it. The Russell Westbrook one. Yes, the Russell Westbrook extension, which is great for PR, but not really an yeah, extension. Blue, red, blue carpet, press conference. On. They didn't exactly. do that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, he signed the one-year extension, but like it is, it is still a commitment. It's, it's, he knew when he signed that he's not going to be traded this year. He knew when he signed that he was going to be playing with a losing team. And I think next summer, I think he's very excited for John to come back and for them to be a little more competitive and, and for them to make some more moves. Now, I don't know how much more competitive they're going to be, to be honest, next year. They're 17-32, and 32, and they're one of the worst defenses to ever step on an NBA court. And I don't know how much better that's going to get next year. I don't know if they'll be the second worst defense to, you know, step on a court since 1996 like they are statistically right now but i i don't see a way if they keep this core together that they're going to be really good uh, or even league average and so i think they might struggle but i think the optimism for beal could potentially be there now if they just think again next year and now all of a sudden you approach the trade deadline next year and you've got a year and a half left brad's a competitive guy he wants to win i think he wants to win the most in washington dc but then i don't know what's going to happen like that's far out and things can change and people can change their minds but i i would be surprised if something really aggressive happened this summer just because all of his moves are like he's committed to the organization he'll still have two years left and the organization has absolutely no interest in 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 pushing him away yeah like they're they're gonna want to show him that they can be competitive i think that's part of why they say they want to be competitive next year uh but i don't think if it were to ever happen it would happen as soon as the summer fred cast anything else um tonight deadline warriors wizards thriller unbelievable thriller uh yeah one more thing if it weren't for damian lillard uh we, we'd be talking about this outrageous streak that Bradley Beal's on right now, where he's got seven straight of 34 or more points, 40-plus in three of those games. He's averaging 39 a game over seven games. That's What's their record stretch. in those seven? Three and four, just because they cannot defend. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for Bradley Beal to score... Yeah, 43. 43 and to lose to that Warriors team. And like an efficient 43. Yeah, and I mean, important number, plus four in what amounted to a, well, eight-point loss, not too bad. But, you know, you're plus four, so clearly they're minus 12 in his eight minutes off the floor, which says a lot. He, I I feel like we might be having a little bit of a Bradley Beal mindset transition right now. I feel like I'm going to try to get out in front of this and, and call this. Uh, he is getting to the free throw line more than he ever has. He Ten straight games, or five straight games with ten or more free throw makes. And he, he said that he, he started looking at game film about a month ago and started trying to figure out ways where he can get to the line more. And he's had games recently with like 18 free throws, 17 free throws, just like outrageous numbers. And I, even tonight, he did the Harden move where he holds the ball out in front and tries to bait somebody into free throws. He never did that before. That was just not a Bradley Beal move. If, if he's going to get to the line 10 times a game, He's going to score 30 tonight. He already kind of is scoring 30. Yeah, he's at 29 a game right now yeah. for the season. Like, if he gets to the line 10 times a game, he can average 30-plus the rest of the year. Like, he can do that, which would be crazy. Even on a bad team, that's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. No, it is. All right. 
I got nothing from the Warriors side of things, really. I mean, I kind of mentioned some of the good performances. Alec Burks had 30 off the bench. He was good. Uh, Glenn Robinson's had a good year. Uh, and I personally don't think they should trade him because he wants to be here next year. And, yes, they could technically trade him and then re-sign him this summer. Um, but you kind of start to lose the goodwill that you've built up if you trade a guy. And you send him to a situation he might like. You know, you send him to Houston or something who could really use a Glenn Robinson-type wing, 3-and-D guy, shooting 40% from three. Um, you saw him tonight. He had that crazy tip in that kind of clinched the win, mm-hmm. which was wild. Um, Draymond is engaged briefly. I think when he's like in it mentally, they're they're a lot better, obviously. So he has been. Uh, beyond that, I got nothing. Warriors about to finish their road trip in Brooklyn, which should be interesting. It will be the first time the Warriors physically have been around Kevin Durant since Kevin Durant left. Uh, now, obviously, Katie's not playing, but I'm just curious to see the interactions in Brooklyn. Yeah, that will be something. Should be. I mean, they'll play nice. Will they? Yeah. I mean, it, it'll either be play nice or, like, avoidant. But it won't, you know, it's not. I would be shocked if there's, like, if you're sitting here on, uh, you know, I guess whatever day that would be, Wednesday, and suddenly some video pops into your feed of, like, oh, wow, look at this interaction pregame. Look at I'm, look at Draymond's stiff arm. I'm actually, I'm actually certain that whether it's, like, justified or not, Someone will take an out-of-context six-second clip and throw it on Twitter. Well, I might be and taking get, some pregame and get, videos. And get 17,000 retweets from it, and that will happen. Because Joy. I, I covered the Thunder, and I know how Kevin Durant revenge games go on the Internet. Well, he's not playing. And, it was no, just I know, fun. I know, but I'm talking about just how people handle... Like, Kevin Durant videos against his former team and placing them as out of context as possible. And this is what happens when you're famous, and it's unfortunate, but it's a thing. I'm curious how um, demonstrative he's going to be on the sidelines. You know, like where you could get a video is if, you know, like there's a Nets run and he's really into it and he's kind of like maybe barking at Draymond, like, oh, you can't guard him, that type of stuff. Like, how do you think you, you covered him for, I mean, years? Six years. Six years. So how, how do you think, like, do you think, it'll of course mean something to him when he plays, obviously, but do you think this, this means something to him when he's not, he's just on the sidelines? No, because he's not doing, he, the way he talks, he's not a great trash talker, but the way he trash talks is I'm going to score 35. You know, uh, the legendary game, he went back, the cupcake game in Oklahoma City, uh, he shut that those fans up because he had like 34 in a blowout win, and he was awesome. I don't remember, remember how good he was. That yeah, game. he was amazing in that game. Yeah. He killed it. So, like, he doesn't – if he can't do that, which obviously physically right now he's just like can't play, so um, I don't think he's going to want to be in the scene and like, you know, oh, this means a lot. I mean, like, sure, if – He'll front run a little bit. Like if Joe Harris hits four straight threes and like the Nets are beating the Warriors and like Draymond's not playing well. Like you, you'll probably see some stuff of him over there with like I don't think Kyrie's going to play either because he has a knee issue right now. Like they'll probably be, you know, enjoying it. But uh, the game he is a lot more thinking about is Nets Warriors next season, the first one, particularly the one in the Bay Area. In the Sparkling Chase Center, which he went to the shovel um, – you know where they break yeah, ground on it. That. He yeah. was the warrior representative. Mm-hmm. You know, there's pictures of him in the hard hat with Kerr, Rick Wells out there. Didn't he um, do like a panel that day too? There was a panel, and then he came back. This would have been early last season, and like toured Chase, and like you know, with with 
media around uh, toured it and was like, oh, wow, what a home this will be. Um, and he you know, hasn't been to Chase. And, won't, you know, they're playing in Chase in March. He's obviously not going to be back by then. But, no, he's looking forward to the games that he will play against the Warriors, that we're, he can go against Draymond and try to get buckets on him. That is amazing. Nets Warriors with no KD, no Kyrie, no, no Steph, no Clay. No Clay. Uh, Unreal. Well, you're just naming what the Warriors season has been. We, I know. Every time this, this team goes anywhere. In Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn's too. They haven't had it. Much better. Kyrie's been hurt so much, you know? Yep. All right, Fred, appreciate it. Um, I will talk to you from Brooklyn. What's the next Wizards game? So the Wizards are off for three days. They have the Luca-less nice. Mavs. Uh, I'm not podcasting after that one, but I, I will probably do a podcast after the uh, trade deadline, regardless of what the Wizards end up doing, just either talking about what they did or talking about why they didn't do anything. All right, cool. Talk to you later in the week.